Um, so I'm joined, I'll let them introduce themselves, and we have sent out a couple questions ahead of time just to get the, the conversation brewing and developing. Um, but I'm joined by Andrew and Katie and Tony and Laura, who have all been involved in kids' ministry, kids' quest in some capacity, um, and so excited for the conversation we are going to have. Maybe um, just introduce yourself in, you know, a sentence or two. I'm Laura Mainland Bauma, um, and I have two kids, Bennett's uh, 8, 29, and Rosie is 6, and we've been here for a long time, maybe 12 or 13 years. Hi, uh, my name's Tony. It's actually legally Adrian, but that's a whole other conversation. Shoot. My wife just told me that I have one sentence left. Uh, <laughs> All right, so yeah, I've got four kids. I've been uh, coming here uh, pretty much since the beginning, and uh, I've been involved in uh, various uh, forms of kids' ministry, but uh, usually my shtick is kind of the younger kids and all that, so. My name is Katie, and I've also been involved at Elevation from, for, from the very beginning for a really long time, basically when I was a kid. And now, um, then I grew up and got married and had three children of my own, 12, 9, and 6. Um, and I've been a volunteer in Kids Quest um, throughout the years. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited for these conversations about um, just hearing from everybody here and um, thinking about the future for, for our Kids Quest and our kids here at Elevation. OK, I'm Andrew Grieve. Uh, been here since uh, university, Southern University, and I've been volunteering in Kids Quest before I had children, and then like these others, I had children too. So I have a one, a six, and a nine, all boys, uh, all in Kids Quest here. Amazing. So we've got some questions, and we'll I'll just kind of field them, and then whoever of the fishbowl wants to grab the mic and kind of take it. Um, it I also have some. Um, some answers here, some thoughts from Carolyn Gingrich, who um, was asked to be in the fishbowl, but is, is leading Kids Quest. So she said, I can't be in the, in the fishbowl, but I have some thoughts. So every once in a while, I'll weave in Carolyn's thoughts. So our first question is, like, some of us grew up in a kind of Sunday school model where the focus of, of formation was on learning the stories and taking away the right answer. And as we've grown up to becoming adults and have kids of our own, we're trying to figure out what we want for our kids. Some of us might want a similar setting to school where our kids come away with more answers and questions. Other, others of us might want to see a setting where it's more about discovery and less about coming away with the right answer. And still others of us would rather our kids just find peers and community and it's not really about learning at all. So what do you want Kids Quest to look like for our kids? So I'm a teacher, um, and when I read this question, it kind of made me laugh because um, in education, it kind of always pendulum swings from a very kind of inquiry-based learning and kids kind of questioning and not being given answers, and then, oh no, no kids know their multiplication facts. Like we got a you know pendulum swing back here to this, and um, I think that that just goes to show that kids' brains are so um, intricate and they need times where they can ask questions and then times where they can learn about stories and things. And so throwing out one or the other, maybe, you know, being, um, yeah, really dismissive of one or the other, I think maybe can, doesn't have to be how it is. However, I do think that the more involved 
kids are in what they're learning or um, the more they feel they can question it is um, where the richer stuff can happen. And um, yeah, I think that it doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, when we do things where we let kids ask questions or explore topics, it actually can be very simple. Um, I think about during COVID, someone, I think it might have been Angie, did um, a lesson about prayer and she did the five finger prayer. I don't know if any parents remember this, but it was so practical. It was like, because prayer for kids is such a big thing. And, you know, she taught them how, okay, this finger, think about someone you love. This finger, think about someone who's in leadership. This finger, think about someone who's sick or maybe needs, you know, and the kids, it was mostly about them coming up with those people and thinking about those people. And they went home and that, that five finger prayer thing ended up being part of our everything. And it was just a really good example about how it wasn't complicated. It wasn't, it didn't take a lot of pre-work because manpower is always a thing, but it just really involved the kids in what they were actually talking about that day. So that was kind of what I thought about. It doesn't mean they can't, we can't talk about the stories or, or give them, but, but it doesn't have to be a teacher at the front lecturing, um, which is what school is trying to get away from too, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I should have went first. Um, I was, my shots are, thoughts are shorter. I, I mostly was just thinking like, I really uh, like that there is a takeaway from a lesson. So like pick a Bible verse or a Bible story or just it's, it's something that the kids can think about, get taught um, for, for a part of it and then can bring that home and like the conversation can continue at home. But like if you, draw, if you leave that piece out, it's like, what'd you do with Sunday school? Oh, you know, then there's just not really much to, to latch on to there and continue the story. Yeah, I, um, I really liked what you said, Laura, about um, this idea that kids' brains need both. Um, and I'm also a psychologist, so I bring that lens to it too. And um, just from a developmental point of view, like kids um, do need to know that there are some things they can count on or some things that are constant or some things that are firm, um, especially as they're looking to the parents or maybe, you know, to their faith. Like, I think there, there are some things, there are some things that we probably, you know, could point to as like, yeah, these things don't change. Um, but they also like need that, that expansiveness or that we don't know or that like, and parents modeling that for them saying, we actually don't know the answer to that question. So um, when I think about, yeah, modeling that for our kids, modeling, modeling some certainty and some, some rootedness and some you can count on me and you can count on these things from God, but also um, not being quick to, yeah, give answers to the things that we really don't know about and modeling that it's okay to have uncertainty and it's okay to have doubt. Um, but I think you do need those both of those things. So I think like all swirliness and questions leads to anxiety for adults too, but also for kids. Like they need they need some boundaries and some constraints to help them know like this is how the world works or this is the best we know about how God works. Um, but but they also need it modeled for them that there is uncertainty and there is room for questions and there are things we haven't figured out. And I think that might be a little bit of a change from maybe some of how we, we grew up. Um, and I think that's a good thing. And yes, having inquiry-based learning where kids can really get their hands into and, and on and around something um, 
So yeah, having a takeaway or having something to grasp, but also learning that there's room for freedom and, and not knowing about some things and not jumping to a quick answer because we feel like we have to get one. Uh, I like what a lot of you guys have said. Um, uh, when I uh, looked at this question, uh, something I, I came across or felt like um, what I'd like for the for our kids to come out with is just kind of some real spiritual formation at you know like whatever level they are at you know like whether they're like five or or fifteen you know that they're kind of growing in their relationship with God and you know um, I think yeah there is sometimes that tendency to throw out the baby with the bathwater and uh, I think that there's you know like the Bible is a very complicated and not PG book and all that, and so obviously there's certain parts that you might not want to dwell as much uh, in your Sunday school lessons, but uh, I think, you know, uh, there are a lot of great stories in the Bible that are worth sharing, that, that can be really monumental for the kids' uh, faith life, and so, yeah, I, I think spiritual formation, uh, relationship with, uh, you know, God and, you know, um, investigation inside the, the Bible is all very, I, I think that that would be very beneficial for the kids. Um, I want to weave in a quote from Carolyn, but also just pick up on something Tony said. Um, Carolyn said here, um, you know, in a world that is increasingly polarized and a confusing world where people are inundated inundated with a variety of misinformation, how are our children going to learn to navigate in this world and tell truth from lies if they don't know what the Bible says? So she talks about how she actually had a really positive um, formation in like a Sunday school environment where she like learned and memorized and, and was kind of making the case for like scriptural fluency and like knowing the stories and how will we know uh, how to navigate the world unless we've got something to grab a hold of, right? Um, but then I, then I, you said PG, and I was just like, ooh, PG, like parental guidance. Where do parents, we're going off script here, where do parents fall into this? So we've talked about like, what does the kids quest look like? Um, what is the role of parents? Because you also talked about, you know, something's a, a conversation point when the kid comes home and like the conversation continues. So how does that work? Um, whose responsibility is it to educate and form our children, the spiritual formation question. Uh, so, so there was a time in our kids' quest where every week we'd get a printout as a, like a take home for the parents. Um, and it was, as a teacher, it, <laughs> Tony always did them. But it was, it was <laughs> yeah, as, it's very, it was pretty clear that very few parents uh, did them, or that very few papers left the church. Um, uh, maybe for reasons that were legitimate reasons. Um, but but I think it's certainly the case that you know some weeks uh, families are just busy and it's it's going to be impossible to continue that conversation. But so, there are weeks when that's not the case, and I think it's it's can be a missed opportunity to not um, at least ask the kids and, and and try to get them to remember at least themselves what was going on. 
Yeah, and I think that kids are kids. Like, if you, kids come home from school, what'd you learn today? They'll often say, well, I don't know. And, um, which is why I have a stamp that says, today I learned for their agenda, and they have to write one thing that they learned so that their parent, they can actually answer that parent question. But um, I liked this week, I saw on Instagram that someone had posted what the kids were going to talk about this Sunday. And so something as simple as that is nice because it's like, oh, okay, they're going to talk about that and then I can maybe follow up. So, which is a little simpler than the papers and, and that kind of thing and someone prepping that. So I thought that was really um, a simple way to maybe address that. And yeah, I think in terms of whose responsibility, um, perhaps some of the negative of what some of us grew up with, and I'm not speaking for anyone, but like, is kind of that um, Sunday school was like, do this, do this, do this, or else, this, 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 you know? And then uh, you were not really given um, the understanding that life is complicated and gray and confusing. And so um, I think perhaps when we come around those PG or whatever topics, that you know we are careful about the diversity within this community and what people may feel about different topics and just make sure that we are addressing that. Okay, I'm gonna move us forward then. Um, so we've got, we've got the kids pastor. The kids pastor is responsible. We've got parents. You wanted to rip off that, go ahead. Well, it was, it was, and maybe this is where you're going with it, the, the five to seven. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the responsibility is obviously going to have to be shared, right? And so, yes, it would be great to have like, um, like a staff member who's going to take some leadership there. And, um, but then we also like, there's the volunteers, whoever's teaching that day, there's, there's the parents, but there's also close friends or connections within the community. And, and I think we all share that responsibility because, like you said, day-to-day uh, -day things, you know, are busier than than others, and, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to share that responsibility of, um, of forming those relationships, so that um, you know when 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 kids have a question, they're not only hearing the voices of one person on that. Yeah. No, and that's exactly where sort of the next question was going, and. Um, Christy Penner Warden kind of alluded to the some some stats some figures. Um, one of them was a Canadian study um, that's actually getting kind of old now um, called Hemorrhaging Faith, and another one that's um, I think comes from California called Sticky Faith, where they, this idea of like one of the one of the pieces that they looked at as to why kids stayed in the church stuck around was because they had these like five to seven adults who were not a child's parent. Um, and so this kind of speaks to the value of like community and a multi-generational approach for kids. So how do we cultivate an environment where our kids feel that this is their church, that they are known and that they are loved? Is there room for growth here as well? Okay, so any of you guys who have kids um, that come to my Sunday school class, I know you're going to be like, Tony, you're such a hypocrite. But... Um, Learn their names, and uh, uh, and you know, uh, just to fill in everyone else, um, what I like doing, just because I don't know everyone's names, is I'll be like, "Oh, hi, Lisa, how are you doing?" And um, it's kind of fun because all of a sudden, like Laura might be very shy or whatever, but she's pretty confident that she knows what her name is and all that, and it really kind of ramps up the engagement and all that. And, you know, by kind of, you know, giving 
making a fuss about it. It just kind of really helped, you know, her feel seen and, you know, part of the community and it kind of helps with the engagement. I think, um, yeah, like, I think that kids generally, like if you're six years old, sometimes you feel like you don't, you might not have a lot of, a lot to offer the world uh, on whole or that your voice is not important. And I think it's very, 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 very important that, you know, we combat that and we, we just kind of let them know that they do have a voice, that they are important where they are right now. And um, yeah, I think our, our goal, um, you know, as, you know, the Kids Quest is that we should focus on empowering them. And, you know, um, yeah, and through that relationship over, over time, that's gonna make them uh, excited about coming to church. And so um, I'm going to, um, I think Sue Winter is here and, um, okay. Art is not here. Are any of his kids here? They're all good. Okay. So, um, I can talk. <laughs> but you can't let them know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, Sue sent me a text and she said, like, that, you know, her daughter was kind of uncertain and, you know, reluctant of going to Sunday school that, that week and there was gonna be a bit of a fight. And you know, when I came up to pray, she was like, oh, Tony's up there. And then she ended up going up and going there. And so obviously, you know, yay, yay me, that's awesome for me. <laughs> but like all ego stroking aside, like I think when there's that relationship, when there's that love, people, like kids feel it and kids feel comfortable. And you know, then I, then, like, I think it, it is important, you know, for the kids to be able to go to Sunday school. And I know the separation anxiety can be really real for, like, a lot of parents, you know, especially initially. But if, if they can be released and get to know the peers and all that and start those relationships, like those studies said, it will be very powerful for them. So, so that's what I have. The, that piece you said about the the five to six people um, really resonates with me. And as I look back at my childhood growing up in the church, um, I can name those people who were there in my life. One of the things I worry about structurally in how we set up their churches is I feel like we're in building churches that are convenient to come to um, and are easy access that it makes it hard to build those connections. And so if we have the primary children's teaching time being during the service, which is very understandable, um, then either you have inconsistent leaders coming in, and I've been in that place where I didn't attend an actual service for years at a time because I was either 
running a Sunday school, usually youth groups. <laughs> you know, like, and it was it, the church didn't have multiple services. That just meant I didn't get to go to church, which was wonderful for me having that consistent building in the lives of kids. But then I burned out. But the flip side of that is if every week you have a different kid, uh, different leader running your group, then how are they ever going to get to know your name? How are we going to build those relationships? Um, and the, that frustration, the, the, the tension between those two realities, I'd like to hear kind of what your thoughts are on that. <laughs> Um, I do agree with that and have been in that position too sometimes. And I think that um, because there are the kind of three main groups at the nursery, the two to five, whatever it is, and, uh, and youth, that um, people kind of seem to have like where they feel most comfortable maybe within that and then are there a little bit more often. But I do think that that can be without, um, you know, kind of, well, a central person can be a thing. But I also think that our... Um, church when they came up with the idea of neighbors groups was kind of a, a big um, a big thing to try to address this right so it is hard for our generations to all intermingle naturally and that has provided a really nice way to do that and hopefully people are finding that like last week when we were going off to and the service and learning too but when we were going off, um, my daughter Rosie was like, is this at Church Church or is this at Mel and Gary's? Because like, they associate church with their house because of neighbors. And like, it was such a funny comment, but it showed me that she actually does think that that is still church when we go to their house and being with those people, which is pretty cool. So um, I think that is something that I hope we can continue and really foster those relationships because they don't naturally happen. We all hang out with people that have kids our own age or are indifferent, you know, and it takes effort to go out of that. So I think that's a really, really good thing. So I do, I do think that maybe a balance of, of addressing Brian's question is having like a smaller subset of volunteers who stick with one age group. So it's not the same person every single week, but at least it's from a pool of, let's say, three to five kind of thing. Um, I think that makes sense. And, um, I guess I was also thinking, um, like you were talking, Tony, about kids having a voice, um, and and it does all come back to like this idea of like volunteers and maybe some of the challenges we're finding ourselves in during the season and churches in general, and like having consistent volunteers or having a small number of people do it all the time and trying to branch out and uh, expand that volunteer base. But I think also when we are able to have a more solid volunteer base, we can also think about ways to involve our kids in more um, more ways than just going off to Sunday school. And um, so we've, we've tried, we've done some of those things in the past, like having kids read scripture, um, having kids participate in music actually was something that did happen a little bit more over COVID just because families were trying to do it together or whatever. So we've seen a little bit of an increase in that, but I've I'd love to see more of incorporating kids' voices into, into our corporate time um, and also in whatever other ways we can think of, whether that be, you know, having them, um, if, we're, if we're doing videos thing that we're posting on the Facebook group or on our website or on Instagram that we're including kids and just trying really intentionally, I guess, to incorporate kids' voices into all the things, not just going up and having your Sunday school time. And I know that's something we've talked about as a community before, but I think 
all of the challenges we faced and the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, have kind of left us with a bit of a like, okay, let's just like keep the ship running. But once we can emerge a little bit from that and take a breath, I, I think we would, you know, all want to get back to that question of how can we see more kids involvement across the board. Uh, a mentor of mine once said, um, he said, we often tell kids that what's happening in the sanctuary is not your space. You have this other space. And then they go to the other space. And then they grow up a little bit. And then we're like, oh, now we have a bunch of older kids. So now we need to create a space for them. So then we create this other space. And we tell them, again, this really isn't your space. That's your space over there. And then they become teenagers. And we create another space for them and tell them. And then is it a surprise that when they go off to university, they never felt like that was their space? And I was like, dang, that's like a. So kind of like what you're talking about, like how do kids own, belong, um, experience that space and also like other spaces, like that beautiful comment about like church at the, I experienced church at the Martin's house too. Um, and so, yeah, so how do we do that beyond just this Sunday morning, but also in this Sunday morning? And then I want to get to the pandemic because the pandemic's had an impact on, on us. Anybody want to pick up on like how do we, how do, we do that? Um, better or uh, the idea of like kids belonging, thinking this is their church, this is their community. Um, this is not as much of a, a solution. This is more, um, one, of, one of the things my wife loves about me is that I'm good at identifying problems and vocalizing them. So um, it is. <laughs> um, but uh, I think, yeah, like there's, uh, you know, whether it's the pandemic, I think the pa pandemic exacerbated, you know, some of the problems that our church naturally had, like, um, you know, Katie and I, and I think, like, Andrew, I think you, you guys were, like, around for a long, long time. And so we have seen kids that have been dedicated that are now in high school and some of them that have gone into university whilst, you know, spending the entire time at Elevation. And, you know, obviously um, for the first 10, 15 years, like there weren't a lot of youth there and all that. And so, you know, sometimes like, you know, when Eli was running youth, it was there was like less than 10 people in the youth group. It was sparse at times. Yeah, okay. So not too much and there's not always that many opportunities and all that and I, I feel like it's, I, I, I feel like sometimes, you know, like you know, the, there are people here, you know, myself included, who have teenagers who choose not to attend church. And, and that's really sad. That kind of makes me feel like, shoot, we, like, as a parent, I, I, I have failed to some degree. And as a church, we have failed to some degree. And we, you know, it would be very wonderful if we could turn it around and make it wonderful. Um, so I have, I have a, a, 
a few ideas, but they're very, very important. So, so I'm going to pass the mic to Mel. Mel, thank you. Thank you. Um, just in um, listening to this conversation, and um, as it progresses, I'd like to just take a few steps outside of maybe some of these questions, and my mind goes to, what is our goal here? What is our purpose? Are we asking ourselves, how do we keep our pews full of our children who are gonna become teens, who are gonna become adults, and fill up those pews and keep this program running? Like, is that what we're, is that our goal? So my, when I listen, I, I want to stick, take a few steps back and ask myself, why are we having this conversation? Are we having this conversation to create a dynamic and exciting, attractive program that will keep kids excited about coming to church? Are we having this conversation because we desire for our children to engage and find a way of faith that carries them through their life. And, and so we come with a wide collection of church experiences from indoctrination to um, system, maybe guilt-driven understandings of following Christian faith. Um, myself having grown up in a, a church system of right, wrong, do this, don't do that, you're in, you're out. So as a child, it was a very clear, in many ways, safe as a child because you know what you're supposed to do, what you don't do, what you think, what you don't think. Um, but then that leaves you with I'm rambling. Let me <laughs> let me focus. Um, what do we want for our children? And and I would just say we could create like an incredible program. Believe me, there are really amazing children's programs. But those kids are going to grow up, and they may or may not decide to continue in the life of church. And so for me, this entire conversation is less about how do we create a church program to keep our kids happy, and rather, what does it mean for us to provide an environment, a community of inspirational, honest, real, down-to-life people doing messy life together where our kids are doing that too, and hopefully they will have the courage to keep seeking out that life of messy, real faith. Not to sidetrack from, <laughs> um, because I think it's easy to want to jump to, well, if we just do that, if we just do this, and we maybe miss the point, because I don't think a program is going to keep our kids in church. And if our goal is to keep our kids in church, 
maybe we need to ask a new question. How do we, how do we invite our children to a life of faith that is deep and holds meaning, that will go with them wherever, inside and outside the walls of any church building? Mel, we love you. And like, seriously, like, thank you for every, everything that you've done. <laughs> you just have to say you're welcome. <laughs> thank you. So um, I appreciate what, what you said. And I, yeah, it's not about, you know, kids' attendance. I think. I would hope that the majority of adults who are here, you know, are here because God has done something very profound and moving in our lives. And I think as parents, we're hoping that, you know, our kids can understand why, you know, our walk with the Lord is so important to us and all that. And so that I think needs to dictate our, kind of our decisions and dictate the discussion. Um, I'll say a, a quick, the, the thing I thought uh, when, when Mel asked that question is, is what brings us grown-ups here, which is kind of what Tony talked, touched on as well. And, and I think one of the things that brings us here is, is, is that we want to come to a place where we feel valued. And I think as a Christian, like God, Jesus values me. And when I come here, I, I know people here who value me. And I think our kids will come here if we show them that we value them, if they feel valued when they come. Uh, so I think as, as a as one of our goals, that should be one of our goals, to make it a space where they feel like they are valued. Uh, which, knowing their names, helps. <laughs> Welcome to the finish bowl, Mary. Oh, thank you. There just, there's been so many good things that I've, uh, I've heard in this conversation. And, and um, when Mel was up talking about what do we want for our children, and I think parents and church definitely need to work together, and, and would. But what, one of the things I see children needing is to be able to take something that they learn and take it out into their schools and their, their relationships with other children. I mean, maybe in role playing or something like that, they can, they can learn how to cope with some of the situations that they find, which is so, so hard on them when they, they they're, um, and they're learning those Christian values in, in uh, Kids Quest, and their parents are hearing those when they come home from school, and will encourage them how to make how to deal. But I think that's something that's very important: is dealing with the here and now, as well as definitely building that faith and a basis for the future. But it's it's the here and now that some of the kids are finding it so difficult in, in their lives. Um, with other children who come from different environments and, and different um, uh, family structures and uh, dysfunctional families and whatever. And, and they need that, that real good basis for faith for the future, for sure. But it builds now with dealing with people or dealing with kids. Thanks, Mom. Um, I think, though, the question that is coming to my mind, like even as I hear what my mom is sharing there and thinking about what Mel just said is like, and, and it goes back to some of the first comments we made, is that we, I think as adults, are 
experiencing our faith in a different way than we did for sure as kids, but even, you know, like we are, we are wanting to have sort of space to ask questions and, and, and live in that tension between, you know, the tenets of our faith and uncertainty. And, um, and so we're, we're not, yeah, we're not looking to institute necessarily a really awesome kids program that's going to keep the machine running. We're, we're asking the question, like, what should be different about, like, how can we reflect the honest, authentic, messy faith that we're trying to embody as adults, how can we reflect that in our kids' programming? But that is a really tough, it can be tough to get practical about that because A, like I said, and Laura said at the beginning, you want to have that balance between, let's say, let's say teach, teaching spiritual fluency, um, teaching those sort of like core Bible stories or take home messages, like we want the snippet that you can take away, we want the, we want the certainties. But, but that, we're also trying to move away from that to a certain extent to, to, to teach our kids that, like Mel said, to really engage and build that spiritual muscle that they're then gonna take out into their life. And that doesn't come from drilling like facts and, you know, but at the same time, they also do need that basis. And just when you talk about the practicalities of kids programming, like wanting to have what's the takeaway message for today and what's the like thing that you can take home as parents. So like, that's the tension that I'm feeling as I'm thinking about the, yeah. And maybe this isn't the space to get into the practicalities of that, but I think that's, that's part of it. How do we do messy faith with developing kids who also need certainty. And, and we as adults have also benefited from that certainty to be able to use as a base to maybe move away from. So. And then, you know, underneath this all is, is a longing for like formation that doesn't lead to just recreation of programs, but the, these little Jesus followers who change the world. Um, and so, and how do we do that on a Sunday morning in a little tiny bit blip with a small group of volunteers who are tired because we also have this whole pandemic thing that happened where we have so much of our this kids ministry kids quest stuff is relational right and then it's relational with kids and adults but it's also relational with kids and, and kids and and you know I heard early on like hey my kids don't even know the other kids here you know and my experience of that you know I've got like three introverted daughters who won't engage in anything until they like know somebody's name so they will just play on the sidelines and so this whole this whole thing came along the pandemic and shattered the the fabric of relationships amongst kids and also we're coming out of it kind of feeling weary and tired and and there's like a smaller group of people who are able or willing to step in and and be part of kids quest so like lots of questions there um I don't know that I, I don't know that we have an easy answer. I mean, Carolyn, Carolyn would, um, would say here, um, we've, we've tried to make it a little too easy. You know, you only have to volunteer once a month or you don't have to plan anything or it's just, it's just watch the kids play. Um, and she said, it may seem counterintuitive, but I wonder if the importance of the role and serving with excellence is actually emphasized that it might actually be more motivating for, for people to be part of this. This isn't just like babysitting. This is like investing in the future generation. Um, you want to want to riff off that, or do you want me to go to the next question? Yeah. Um, so the question that was sent to us was kind of around how has the pandemic infected us, our church, our kids, um, and um, like you said, we, there's a lot of new people or or people who had come and are are back, 
And when I look around, even there's a lot of adult faces I don't know, but I, then someone will say, oh, that's so-and-so's parent. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, because I know them from Kids Quest. But um, I think if we're talking about a safe space for kids, a space that they feel like they can ask questions or dive into this stuff or whatever, like high, hierarchy of needs here, like is that safety, I'm, I'm okay here, like for your daughters that are introverted. And so maybe as a church, we're in a space right now where the question um, of programming isn't as important as the question of like, do they all feel welcome here? Have we taken the time to let them get to know each other? Like, what does that look like? Do they know who we are? Do we know who they are? And then when there's, you know, a new family, when they come in and the kids come to Kids Quest, is there a way that we organically then can bring them in as well? And that, you know, because social skills, we all know they took a hit in pandemic. So it's already hard for a lot of the kids to like want to go to these things or engage in these things. And then, um, and then they show up and, you know, maybe the rubber hits the road and we get going with things. So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe as Elevation as a church, just in this time is an okay time to go. Priority is, if we want this to be a space where they can grow and learn about God and be here for a long time and find a place to call their their own as a as a human, then it's okay to take time. Like I'm thinking as a teacher, you take September to make sure that we feel like a family, like we feel like they belong, like you kind of get to know them. And and again, nothing that isn't simple, like you, you know, I'm just talking about simple ways to take time at the beginning of a lesson or whatever, but these things like neighbors or service learning when they're out with other people or these kind of things, there's such beautiful organic ways to let that happen. And so kind of almost a combo of what Caroline's saying, like, or Carolyn's saying, like, yes, there's a, you know, we want to have a meaning for each Sunday, but it's also okay to have time built in there where there's relationship building with these kids. Because if I say to mine, like, who'd you play with today? It's always the same kids that they already kind of knew. And it'd be, I don't know, it'd be great for them to, to have ways to get to know the other people better. I don't know if that makes sense. I'll take this just because you passed it to me. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I, I echo, yeah, the social skills, nervousness, like I think uh, it exacerbated perhaps some of the anxiety kids feel coming back to church. And um, also, you know, for the Sunday school teachers, uh, figuring out how, oh, how do we do church again, because, like, for, for the kids, because it has been so long and all that, and, you know, I'm thankful for everything that Dave did for the church with all of those beautiful videos or whatever, but it's like, yeah, it's, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, I think, um, especially thinking about the youth, I think for them it's been particularly hard, um, you know, with our church, we've had a lot of, you know, youth pastors kind of come and go and all that. And, you know, uh, uh, we're, yeah, the, I guess we're working on changing the culture here so that that way, you know, there's going to be more longevity and all that, which I think will be good for the kids and will be good for the youth. Um, but, um, yeah, and maybe this kind of spills into the next question. Like, I, I feel like we, you know, I, I've heard it once said, you know, you might feel like you don't have a voice and, you know, like, or your voice is very small, but like our voice is a lot bigger 
than we give ourselves credit for. And I think when it comes to involvement in kids' ministry, I think, you know, the, the encouragement I would make is, you know, for people to get involved in whichever way they can. And, um, you know, that's one way of doing it. Um, the other is by praying, praying for the kids, praying for the, the Sunday school teachers, praying for the leadership here at this church. Um, so that way there is wisdom in being like, okay, do we just say, you know, free play Sunday, or do we have a, what was it, a, a 15 or a 20 page Sunday school lesson where everything is, yeah, um, like where is the balance? And then, you know, finally, like, you know, as far as the youth and the, the, the kids, I would encourage everybody in this room to, you know, reach out and, and talk to one or two of them and all that. Make them feel loved, make them feel accepted and all that because they are just as much this church as, as we are. So they can't vote, but they're, they're still a, a very big part of our church and all that. And I think we need to show them that respect. And I think it will go a long way. So, um, yeah. Move us to the last question for the sake of time. The last question is, like, let's fast forward to 10 years from now and pretend we're having a conversation with our current selves. Our young kids have grown up before us. How will we know we've done a good job? What might our future selves say to us, either to spur us on or to caution us? And Carolyn said uh, this, that it is worth the time, effort, and investment now to help our kids navigate the tricky world they live in in a way that gives them roots as well as room to explore and grow in a healthy way. I don't believe that kids will learn and build faith by osmosis without an intentional investment in their spiritual development from adults besides their parents. So, last question, who wants the mic? Um, so I actually, just to touch on what, what Tony said earlier about like how we, we've seen kids go from being born to going to university. And I actually had this moment recently when I ran into Teresa Vanderbilt, and she was saying how Emma, one of her daughters, is like, you know, just in university now. I was like, wow, in my mind's eye, Emma is still in grade two. <laughs> so uh, that made me feel old, for one, but it also made me think like, wow, like, did I do a good job when I was teaching Emma in, in Sunday school? Uh, I don't know, but I didn't, I didn't have the guts to ask if, at, at that moment in time. But, uh, it's it's just neat to to just know that that will be the case. Like these kids that we are teaching now will this will ha will have this moment with all of them. Um, and so I don't know what future self would say to current self. Yeah, maybe that is just yes. It's it's going to happen. So pressure's on. Um, I know this. I hope that this still aligns with the question, but. Um, Something that came to my mind, and when we had uh, the woman in that did the talk the other week, sorry, Christy, um, I thought of this a lot when she was talking, is just um, as a parent um, with a community where I've been able to, within this church, find friends who I can kind of be real with, the good, the bad, the really hard, um, that as parents, I hope that our church can do a good job supporting each other in terms of, hey, if your kid isn't wanting to come to church, like that you're not carrying that guilt and how can we support you? But, you know, and I remember a sermon about this a while ago here, but 
this whole idea of like you teach kids this way and they'll stay on the path and they will never leave the path is, you know, such intense pressure and also like they encourage us to read who wrote that in the Bible. But um, in terms of like, we can do all these things, quote unquote, right. And our kids may, will likely still have many struggles. And we know that mental health and all these different things are going to affect our families and that we have a environment here where we can be real about that and, and lean on each other in those times and not feel like because we didn't do A, B, and C, um, it's our fault that we're here or our church's fault that we're here, you know? Um, for all, we have to have a little more trust, I think, in God that if we're all really trying to do good on our kids and for our kids and for each other's kids, that that means something. Um, because I think that that has been a, traditionally a huge problem in churches is that your the kids or the teens or the whatever start to struggle parents feel judged or um, that they have done something wrong and then they leave that community or they feel they can't go back to that community or whatever, or they're not honest in that community. And I really, really, really hope that this place can be very different that way, that um, come as you are and we'll, we're here for you wherever you are kind of thing, especially with our kids. So I know that's not exactly looking at our kids if we've been successful, but um, I think it relates. doing youth ministry for 30 years now and uh, I started in high school and the kids that were in junior highs that I'm mentoring are in their 40s and that terrifies me um, but it means that I've gotten to see that that long term and which kids are still in you know having faith journeys which kids aren't and trying to judge my value as like did I do a good job I, I feel some of that um, I was having a conversation with one of my youth who is, I mentored intensely and is now a, a Buddhist. <laughs> um, and we were having conversations about, you know, how do I judge my value? You know? um, and he said, Brian, you showed me the love of Jesus and I deeply valued that and it impacted me and it has shaped who I am to stay. Even though I don't believe the same things as you anymore, you showed me God's love. And that has inherent value and he has inherent value whether he chooses the same religious path as me or not. And the work that I did there was good. Um, and I think often we get stuck on the idea, are they going to church? Are they going to our church? In, in the society we live in, it's a very mobile society. The chances that someone will stay at the same church for 50 years is very slim. But having that larger kingdom view, if our God is bigger than just our church, then the investment that we make in children and youth, where they come and grow up in a place where they are known and loved, and are taught to love other people, whether they check the same theological boxes or come to the same place, it has inherent value, and we need to continue to do it, and we have succeeded, even if the, the crop we get isn't exactly the one we thought we were planting. <laughs> Sometimes that's what needed to grow, and God is so much bigger than our expectations. One thing as a, uh, I wanted to say about the pandemic is 
uh, it just acknowledged it, it was a huge hit to our church in general and to our kids. And like our some like this kid uh, didn't exist before the pandemic. Um, my middle child doesn't really remember what church is from before the pandemic. Um, but but I did want to say uh, the the online services were some of them were quite good in terms of the kids content. I specifically remember Larissa and, and Mel both, and and there were others as well. But like really, like our kids loved those segments, and so thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, and I know our, our kids, man. Um, <laughs> I I do wanted to what, what Carolyn said about valuing our teachers. It makes me think like our, our worship team like they meet more than just on Sunday mornings. Like our, our teachers could do that too. It, it, we, it would be great to make it a higher calling and, and not, not a burden, but like a privilege. Um, but the reality is also that these volunteers are not here right now. And so, so how do you, how do you move one direction when you can't even get the other direction? So, so yes, it, yes, it's hard, but um, just wanted to leave it. If this is an unsolved problem. <laughs> Um, I meant to say this back, but when I was talking about like how this might just be a season for us to have that relationship building time, a, a purpose in saying that was also to say like maybe that's a good time for people who are interested in volunteering but feel like I mean I'm even a teacher and I'm like eh, teaching on Sunday, so uh, and like you know maybe it's a good time if we are gonna refocus and have more focus on getting to know each other and these kind of things for a season might be a good time for people who are newer or wanting to get involved to also, because it's a little bit maybe pressure off for a time till we can see if we can build a, a volunteer base that can sustain something like you're talking about, you know, was what I meant to say earlier. Yeah, succinct. That is not my spiritual gift, but I'll try. <laughs> um, so I just, I just wanted to sort of name the fact that I think Obviously, we want, like, we do want the content and the programming of what we're doing in Kids Quest to be um, very thoughtful, very intentional. But we, as a church, are figuring out our vision forward, right? Like, that's the work of the pastoral team, the transition team, to kind of work on that. And then we're going to hope, I'm sure that's on their minds, of, like, how how does that vision and that, like, those the things that are really core and central, how are we going to translate those into what's happening on a Sunday morning so it is all cohesive? And right now we don't actually have that. <laughs> so it is a good time for focusing on the, the really core concepts, the practical, the, the simple things, as well as that, like, yeah, teaching kids that we value them, that we love them, <laughs> and that God loves us. Yeah, we're going to end with two people who are very good at being uh, succinct. Yeah, that's okay. I'm choosing to ignore him. Uh, Quincy, can you give me my notes back? Thanks, bud. Um, so I think, yeah, I agree that we, like, Quincy's spiritual life is his own, you know, but I feel like I need to answer to God about my part and whether I did a good job, which will not necessarily be determined on whether how it plays out in the end. I'm still reading my notes. I'm, this helps me stay, stay succinct. Um, and yeah, I think what, like, if there was something that I would love for us to do is just, you know, like,
focus on our walks with God. God called us, Jesus said, you know, we need to love him or love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. If we're doing that, then the kids win and we win and the world wins. And I think we need, like part of me feels like we need to kind of get back to the basics of discipleship. I think sometimes we've rejected and thrown away some of the stuff that we grew up with. And I think that there is some value in what what we grew up with and we just have to kind of find that balance. And something that I wanted to perhaps end it on with is, you know, like I put I wrote down farming isn't overnight. This is about the long the long the long term. And we're not and we want to just continue working on that and know that our small actions will reap a big harvest one day, you know, if we're doing this unto the Lord. So there you go. Um, yeah. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>